With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we bring you the latest OU football news, including the Cheez-It Bowl matchup with Florida State and what the roster may look like for that game. Then we recap an awesome championship weekend in college football and give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, December 5th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of December, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now, recording this Sunday afternoon, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Ted's in Vegas. Let's go, baby. Yeah. Uh, Made it to Vegas. Made it safely. Easy flight out. Coach Switzer was on the flight. Bunch of former Sooners were on the flight. It's going to be a fun weekend. And you are out there to watch former teammate Roy Williams, Superman, get inducted into the college football hall of fame. I've got to imagine that it's going to, it's going to be a really fun weekend, but by the time you leave, you're going to be hurting, man. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be short and it's going to be fast. Uh, so yeah, I think, um, I don't know. We'll have to manage. We'll see how we manage this thing. Not as young as I used to be. Uh, I have faith in you. But you you got stuff to do, man. So let's knock this episode out and let's yeah. start here. OU bowl game just came out, right? Right as we sat down to record, it'll be the Sooners versus the Florida State Seminoles in the Cheez It Bowl. Uh, that game will be Thursday, December 29th 
at Camping World Stadium in Orlando. Your initial reaction. This was a horrible draw for us for multiple reasons. Um, the main reason, like, forget everything else, Florida State is a good football team and not a good matchup for us, especially right now. I, um, that team is climbing. They're, they've done a really good job. They, are, they did have three losses, but lost to three good football teams and really started to come together. I think, you know, at one point at the end of the season, you know, a bunch of the the players that were there were talking about how important it was going to be for them to play in a bowl game, and they weren't going to opt out. They were going to stick around and and go through it together. Uh, they got some talent on that team. You know, if you ever know anything about Florida State, forget the record. It's going to be an athletic football team, and, and that's exactly what this this squad is. Yeah, so we'll have we'll have a couple weeks uh, to you know dive into some more Florida State, but just just a few just a few quick notes about Mike Norvell's team. Uh, went nine and three this season. Their losses were to Wake Forest, North Carolina State, and Clemson. Uh, they finished the season on a five game winning streak and ended up finishing thirteenth and the final college football playoff rankings. I know you fans may not like hearing this. Their quarterback's really good. Jordan Travis. Dual threat. Dual threat quarterback can absolutely fly as a runner, has really improved as a passer, and has played so well down the stretch of the season for them that people have been uh, – throwing around the possibility of him winning the Heisman Trophy next year. So when you look at it, six and six, got to go win this game for a winning season uh, for Oklahoma in the state of Florida against Florida State. I'm not scared. I'm not saying that. But right now, I don't feel great about it. Now we'll see. We're just kind of assuming that everyone's going to play in the bowl game for Florida State. I, I have to imagine that that's not going to be the case, right? I think they're going to have some key players opt out as well. But yeah, initial reaction, not an ideal matchup to keep the uh, the winning season streak going. Yeah, it's tough. They did not throw us a bone at all uh, on this matchup. Leading receivers, Johnny Wilson, six foot seven, two hundred and thirty-five pounds. Uh, like we said, dual threat quarterback that can run it all over the place, sling it all over the place. Uh, good physical running back, and a team that is on the climb and is going to be uh, heavily motivated. I this is probably the biggest and best bowl game that they've been to since they got beat in the college football playoff, right? And you know, it's that's going to mean something to those guys. But, you know, um, depending on what exactly we take to the uh, to the bowl game roster wise, it's going to be a great opportunity. Um, they they didn't throw us a, an easy one, but it would be a much better win than than anything else that we were going to have an opportunity for. And you got to view it as uh, a chance to have a big uh, momentum swing in your favor. If you beat Florida State with 
the the state that they're in right now, especially if they bring a full roster, that is by far the best win of the season and something that you can be proud of moving forward. No doubt about it, but I mean you you kind of touched on it. This is this is as much positive momentum as we've seen around Florida State football since Jimbo Fisher was there. So that's I mean this is a this is a team that is feeling really good about the way that it's playing. So uh, I know that there's several weeks a lot can happen between now and then but yeah this matchup came out and you and I kind of looked at each other like well all right you better hey, you better have a great bowl prep because Florida State's coming man so we'll see yep. but if you're an OU fan it's a long trip to Orlando, but at least at least the Sooners are playing a good football team. That's the way that I look at it. You know, it's not it's it's another big time brand in college football. Maybe some nostalgia, right? Going back to the national championship game, I guess that's something a lot of people are gonna break up. But yeah, it is what it is, man. They better start preparing because they got a good football team uh that they got to take on on December 29th. Yep, going to be a big challenge. Grand scheme of things, I guess there's worse place to be in December than Florida. So we'll take that into account, and um, it's a big challenge. We'll see. We'll see if we can step up, answer the call. Um, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to see what players will and will not be playing in the bowl game. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Perfect transition. Let's get to the roster updates. So... A lot has happened since our last episode, right? I, I believe all we really touched on in our last episode was Theo Weiss and Jordan Mukes hitting the portal, right? Since then, Anton Harrison has declared for the NFL draft. Now, very excited for him. Uh, he will not be playing in the bowl game. Eric Gray, Wanye Morris, Jalen Redman, they have all accepted invites to the senior bowl. I do not expect any of them to play in the bowl game, and I really can't blame those guys. We've talked a lot on here about how important that senior bowl week is for your draft stock. So performing well at the senior bowl is, is massive for those guys, especially Wanye and Redmond. Uh, they, they don't have nearly as much tape as what Eric Gray has got. So then we've got the portal. Theo Weiss, uh, some other key guys, Joshua Eaton, uh, Kendall Dennis, Nick Evers, Alton Tarber, Bryson Washington, amongst some other guys. So a lot going on, man. I mean, where do you want to start? Where do you where do you want to start? Well, um, you know, just for the guys that are are headed to the NFL draft and the the senior bowl, you know, I'm I can't blame those guys if they don't play in the bowl game. But 
if I were in their shoes, I would play. Um, you know, the senior bowl is, it, it is, it's football. It's not, it's not like the combine where you're running forties and measuring wingspan and doing bench press. It's football, full pads, legit practices and a legit game. And like, they're not going to be, they're not going to be in pads doing legit football drills and football practice anywhere else. And it's at least worth it to stay sharp, to stay in football shape as long as possible. And I understand if you say, Hey, I want to practice, but you know, I, I don't know how much I'll play if any in the game, like you don't want to steal reps from guys, but I don't know. It's just from a guy that play. I played in the senior bowl and I, I played in the senior bowl after playing in the, the national championship game. And I still thought, and I can't remember, maybe it was two weeks, something like that. Two and a half weeks after the national championship game was when the senior bowl was. And I still felt out of sorts because I hadn't been in pads in, in two and a half weeks. So that's the one thing I would say for them to, to keep that in mind. But I'm, I echo you. I, I would be surprised if they did play though. Right. And there is, there is an interesting opportunity, right? Because, you know, Florida state, Jared verse, who's their stud defensive end first team, all ACC guy. I mean, maybe if you're Wanya Morris, you look at it and go, Hey, you know, that's, that's a good opportunity for me, but I just don't, I, I don't see that happening. I think those guys, uh, they, they announced those senior bowl invites that they'd accepted them. I, I don't anticipate any of those guys, especially, you know, Jalen Redmond, who has had so many injury issues. Uh, he's probably just looking at it like, Hey man, I, I need to get to the senior bowl and do anything, everything I can yep. during that week. And Eric gray, he's, he's one of the guys where you look at and you go, totally get it, man. You're running back. You've had an awesome season. You've, You've been incredibly consistent for this football team. Yeah. Do I wish that he was going to finish what he started? Absolutely. But can't fault the guy for uh, for not playing the bowl game at all, really, with how, yep. with how this thing works now. This is just a new reality in college football. Yep, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, you know, that's one of the things with the playoff is it's really taking the, 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 the real – uh, luster away from some of the bowl games, especially, you know, as you get further and further down the list and it's just a reality and it's, it's not that big of a, it, it's, it doesn't take very much brain power to understand the uh, cost benefit analysis to run here. Yeah. Any of the guys that have hopped in the portal, any of them surprising to you, like Theo Weiss, I think we, we all saw that coming. Right, and we'll see uh, see where he ends up landing. Joshua Eaton is a guy that has not gotten on the field, uh, so that doesn't surprise me. Kendall Dennis, guy that didn't see time. Uh, I, I Nick Evers appears to be the one that a lot of people are surprised by. Ted, yeah, and I don't know how that conversation went. You know, um, it could have been one where the coaching staff said, "Hey." Um, you know, it's going to be hard here 
to get on the field. We can we can help you find another spot, maybe where you've got a better shot. Maybe he was upset. I I I have no idea how that went down. I doubt he was upset. I mean, there's nothing to be upset about. I mean, it's just kind of the the nature of of college football. But um, I was a little bit surprised to see that one. Um, it it puts us right back where we were this time last year when Dylan Gabriel came to where we don't have much of a plan for backup quarterback. And I know Jackson Arnold is set to sign with OU. I I don't see I don't see him flipping and going anywhere else, but I also know how this works. There is no guarantee. I know he's amazing. I know what he's done in high school, and I know the promise. And I'm excited about the kid, too. But he's still going to be a true freshman as your backup quarterback. Having never played, and we don't know what we're going to get whenever we actually put him out there with the big boys and and see how he is. I think he'll probably be okay, but it, but that is the risk, is like, he gets here and we're scratching our heads saying, man, I, I, I don't know. I thought he was going to be a little bit further along than this. Like, that's the one thing that worries me whenever I see Nick Evers transferring. Yeah, no, I understand. You want to have, you want to have depth in the quarterback room, right? Yeah. I mean, you absolutely do. And Nick Evers is a talented guy. It sounded like, you know, everything that we had heard from Lebby and from Venables throughout the season when we were able to talk to him was that he was progressing well, but I do think maybe it was just one of those honest conversations. Like, Hey, Jackson, Jackson Arnold is our guy moving forward. And the plan is one more year of Dylan Gabriel. And then it's Jackson Arnold's show. So I, I wonder if it was like that honest of a conversation, but I think that if you're the staff, you're looking at it going, okay, you know, who are we going to commit those QB two reps to in the spring? Yep. And part of me thinks that that staff just went, Hey, let's we're giving Arnold all of it. We're going to get like, we think he's that good. We're going to start. We're going to start getting him prepped and ready to be, be the guy at Oklahoma. So Uh, even if he's not that good, he needs yeah. to get all the two reps. Right. Right. He needs he needs experience. We cannot be in the same situation that we were this year where we don't have a backup quarterback. Number one, we saw how bad it looked whenever Dylan Gabriel went down. And number two, the fact that we didn't have anyone there that was consistent and we felt like gave us a chance, it kept us from using the quarterback run game, which is a big portion of this offense. We can't yeah, be in and- that that dilemma again. Yeah, can't be in that dilemma, and that is one thing. And I, I know I've only seen the kid play against high school kids in the state of Texas, but it does look like Arnold brings that with his legs. Yep. So I would, I, I don't think it's going to quite look exactly like it looked at Ole Miss with Matt Corral under Lebby, but I think we're going to see we're going to see a lot more of the running game for for the quarterback position next season if. 
if they're feeling better about where they stand with Jackson Arnold as the backup. I think that's only natural. Any any of these other guys, Alton Tarber, I don't even know if I ever saw that kid. Yeah, I I I, I know I didn't. When I first saw the name, it I remember him signing because we did the signing day show and yeah. we we're like, oh. And everyone was excited because he was actually a large human being. And I mean, I don't I don't remember hearing a single thing about him. Nope. Nope, I don't either. So I I feel like there's, you know, the the portal entry so far, there I don't think there's anything there that really necessarily affects us moving forward. Theo Weiss came on strong and had a nice game against Tech. Um, and he was one of our bigger wide receivers. Um, outside of that, I think this is just kind of par for the course. Yeah, and, and one thing that I think OU fans need to remember, it was back in the summer, right? The NCA they said for the next two years, we're eliminating the 25 counter rule, right? The initial counter rule. So it's really important that if you're going to turn this roster over, that you do it now. My hope is that that rule will just go away. Right. With with how much movement we're seeing now in college football. But you know, that that announcement has not made, has been not has not been made by the NCA. So it's, you know, this year, this class, like this turnover of the roster is really, really important because you may not be able to do that much more. Now, maybe the rule changes, but so while you kind of have unlimited unlimited numbers to move guys around, you know, send guys on their way, bring new guys in via the portal, via the recruiting class. Like you have to do it. So I, I'm not surprised. I'm not going to be surprised if, you know, there, there ends up being a large number of guys that are, you know, entering the portal and moving on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is, you know, if, if you have a large number of guys that go out, you've got to have quality that replaces them. You hope you get better um, with every guy that you bring in. And obviously we're going to be adding a really good recruiting class on top of what I thought was a solid recruiting class from a, a year before. Um, you know, it's, I, it's not breaking news that we've got to improve the roster. So, I mean, some of this stuff is, is expected. Hopefully we don't have any bad surprises in there. Yeah, so I, I feel like the podcast has not started off on an overly positive tone, <laughs> you know? With, There's uh, good things happening, though. It's it's just the, the Florida State matchup is not a great one, but it's a good opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Now, they could also they could also get their ass kicked in that game. So, yes. we'll, we shall see. Now, let's infuse a little positivity. Uh all Big 12 team came out. Uh, Dylan Gabriel named your Big 12 Offensive Newcomer of the Year. Uh, first team selections, Marvin Mims, Anton Harrison, and Michael Turk. And second team selections, Eric Gray, Braden Willis, and how about Ethan Downs making All Big 12? I did not. That is one I did not see coming, but very excited for Ethan. That's big time. Yep. Good stuff. Um Nice representation on the um, the first team with Mims and Anton Harrison and 
kind of surprised by the Turk one, but that's, you know, that's still, um, still really good. He, obviously we know how, how big of a stud he is. Dylan Gabriel getting the, the newcomer of the year. Um, pretty impressive. I thought he was going to get second team, all big 12 quarterback. Um, just because after Max Duggan, the numbers really fall off. And I know Will Howard went and got a, a W in the big 12 championship. Uh, so that kind of factors in there. But um, I kind of thought Dylan Gabriel may be the guy. But, yeah, Eric Gray, second team, uh, all Big 12 running back. This was a hard year for running back yeah. <laughs> in the Big 12. It was stacked. So, yeah. all in all, really good stuff. Glad that Braden Willis got second team. Um, I wish he would have got first team. I think he, he should have first team. Yeah, I like I like Ben Sennett. The, um, now, he was labeled as a fullback on he was first team fullback and then Jatavion Sanders from Texas who I think is just scratching the surface yeah. of what he's going to be as a player it was the first team tied in but Braden Willis he had a better season than Ben Sennett and I know Ben Sennett killed us in Norman I understand that and he's he's done some really good things but Braden Willis was a more impactful player he he should have been they should have just made him the fullback and he should have been first team i and my other With his blocking, yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah. My other biggest complaint is Cooper Beebe. I think he's I think he's a really good guard for Kansas State. Uh, I think he's a really good player, but he's not a better offensive lineman than Anton Harrison. And BB was named offensive lineman of the year. Anton Harrison should have been the Big Twelve offensive lineman of the year. He he was the best he was the best offensive lineman in the league. And I, I think that will be reflected in where he ends up getting drafted here uh, in the NFL draft. But, you know, team success is part of it. And, you know, that yep. that's something that is undoubtedly part of it. That's what I was about to say. If, if you're not six and six, then Anton Harrison wins that award. Braden Willis is first team. And, you know, we've, we've got a bunch of different uh, – it's a different-looking – big 12 award list than it is right now but that's the reality of it you know if you're six and six you're typically not going to have much representation but you know there's also been years where we won the big 12 and we didn't have representation either so there's that yeah and one more complaint felix and dk uzama really good player tyree wilson should have been the big 12 defensive player of the year yeah, that was uh, that was, and that's why when we talk about the preseason All Big Twelve awards, we always mention this. The preseason stuff affects the postseason stuff. That's why the preseason stuff matters. A lot of people say, "Oh, who cares? Why does it matter?" It ends up mattering because I think a lot of people just went, "Oh, Kansas State's in the Big Twelve championship game." Yeah, let's. Yeah, but Felix. Yeah, he's he, he's the best player on their defense. There we go. He was the preseason. There you go. Tyree Wilson yep. had a better season than he did. He should have been Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. I guess my argument would be not that the preseason stuff doesn't matter, but that we shouldn't have the preseason stuff, right? Especially if you're going to use it as a guideline of what you do at the end of the year. But but, but oh well. then what would we talk about, dude? What are you doing? <laughs> I, know. I know it. I know it. That's All true. All right. Let's, let's get to call your shot. Uh, and we asked you, what was the most important thing that happened for OU football this weekend? Uh, this first one comes from Travis C. Leach. He says, just for our collective mental well-being, seeing USC lose, 
in an exact way we're all too familiar with. We'll break down that game uh, when we recap championship weekend, but I think Travis makes a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was interesting game, man. That was wild. I, I did not see it unfolding that way, but once it got rolling and it, it looked familiar. I'll say that. It did. Okay. This other one comes from chase Hopkins, Wilson, who he just, he just wants to hear your thoughts. He's, he just says excited to hear Teddy's thoughts on Kaysen Kalmus's commitment. That's awesome. It's cool. Um, if he plays football like his dad, now I know he's he's a little bit smaller, plays a different position, but I'm sure he's got those those instincts. I'm excited about it. I think it's great. I think um, I think it's going to mean a lot to him to be on the roster, and you need a bunch of those guys in the locker room. You need guys that um, are willing to do whatever it takes, and um, I'm I'm glad that he's on the roster. I think it's going to be really cool. He's got some big shoes to look up to to fill with that name on the back of the jersey, but he'll do fine. I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah, and this last one comes from Austin Wheeler. He says the most important thing that happened was focus on the future in-home visits to lock up the 2023 class, new facilities getting approval, and transfer portal needs become clear with some expected players submitting their names. That's a, Those are three good points from our man Austin, right? We were all seeing the pictures of the coaching staff out and about with with those big-time recruits in the 2023 class. Uh, the new facility getting approved was a huge deal, right? They're going to be spending a ton of money on that. And, yeah, the the portal, the, these next couple weeks, going to be big time for, for what this roster ends up looking like next season. Yep, I agree. Um, I know – the season is over for the most part. We got the bowl game, but the march towards 2023 has already started, right? Um, and that's where you got to knock it out of the park. Most important things moving forward right now are winning the transfer portal, locking in, signing this class that you've got. There's still some good opportunities out there with some, some other guys that may make it even better. And, um, you know, starting the march towards next year and the facilities and everything that's going to help. Yeah. All right. Let's get to birthday shout outs. Welcome to the world, Andrew Newman. And happy 28th birthday to John Poe. Happy 32nd birthday to Tyler Polshak. Polshak? Polshak. I don't know. Polshak. Happy 36th birthday to Sam Plost. Happy 38th birthday to Zach Plost. And happy 72nd birthday to Karen Sheehan. All right, let's recap championship weekend in college football. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. 
That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. Anopolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. It's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. Yeah, and with Christmas coming up, Try right. Lo- load up on the OU gear uh, for for your loved ones. Don't forget to use the promo code TED, and make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a twelve to one student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers twenty two AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. All right, recapping championship week in college football. Let's just run through all five of the Power Five championship games. Let's start with Utah USC. A 47-24 beat down. Beat down. Now, USC came out hot. Caleb Williams was pushing it down the field, doing all kinds of ridiculous things. His legs with his arm. He was looking incredible. He was, what? They went touchdown, touchdown, field goal on the first three drives and jumped out to a 17-3 lead. It was like, oh boy. I mean, USC's got it tonight. Now, for a missed opportunity to create some separation when Utah fumbled, uh, they weren't able to capitalize on that. And then the game pretty obvious that Caleb Williams was not right, and everything changed from that point. Ted, he was he was playing hurt, couldn't move really, kind of kind of became a sitting duck in the pocket, uh, was a non-factor as a runner, and USC's offense looked lost. I mean, just looked lost. And that was the game, man. Like once, yep. once they showed that vulnerability, and once it was obvious that Caleb Williams couldn't move, Utah had all the confidence in the world, both sides of the ball, and they beat their ass. Yep, they were heating them up, man. They were coming after him. Which, what was the, what was the final, like, what was the injury? Hammy, first quarter, he had that long, long run that was incredible. Right where you're just like, oh my gosh. Pulled his hammy and you, I mean, you've, I've actually never pulled a hammy now that I think about it, but from guys that have like, it gets progressively worse as the game goes on and you could see, I mean, he, he just couldn't move there towards the end. Yeah, It was interesting. Cause the first time I saw him limping in the game, I didn't see like the very, the first couple of minutes of the game, uh, maybe the first quarter of the game. So he, I saw the drive where he first started limping, and whenever he came off to the sideline, I, Lincoln looked like 
he was um I don't know, it was like we'll just, you know, stop limping or it, you know, I, it was weird. You know what I'm saying? Did you it's see like, that? Hey, could you could you stop the limping and like run around like you always do and make this offense look awesome? <laughs> yeah, it was almost like can you go? And Caleb was like, yes. And he's like, well, okay, if you're going to go, let's go. Uh, I don't know. It was, it was wild, but yeah, he was, um, he became more and more ineffective. And I think whenever he knows he doesn't have that bailout ability, it changes things. It yeah. speeds up the clock in your head, right? It's like, I can't just bail out of here and take off running. Like someone needs to get open right now. And so the timing was off. His throws were off. He lost all of his accuracy. Yeah, it was, it, it got ugly really, really quickly. Yeah. So without Caleb Williams being able to kind of be what he's been all season long for them, uh, the offense was ineffective. And then the defense was even worse. I mean, that, tackling display from USC was awful. Now, credit to Utah, man, especially in that second half. They, let's go with bludgeoned them. <laughs> like, just, I mean, just whooped their ass. But that tackling was bad. It did, did you see the clip of the guy asking Lincoln about it after the game? Like, if they teach stripping the ball instead of tackling, <laughs> it was priceless. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big frustration of mine. I mean, there's a time to go for a strip like that, but it's not like right there in the middle of the play. Like you need to have the tackle secured, or it has to be like a desperation moment in the football game. That's just yeah, it was bad. A guy stripping at the ball, two players running into each other and falling down. What was it third and nineteen, right, on that play? That was bad. Yeah, it was it was not good. Um, and it a play like that can like change the entire feeling of a season. Like their defense has not been great this year, but they've created a ton of turnovers. They've scored a ton on defense. Like they've done some really good things. Like that play right there. It, it kind of changes the narrative all, on all of that, unfortunately. Yeah, a lot of people uh, calling for Alex Grinch's job, right? A lot of USC fans after that game, which probably not fair, but I will say this. Cam Rising is really easy to cheer for, man. I mean, different, isn't he? I like the way that guy plays, and he – he got hit as hard as any quarterback I've seen get hit all season long. Helmet goes flying off. Just got up smiling like a psychopath. Like, bounced right up. Amazing. Then you've got the post-game comments about Caleb Williams' fingernails and all that. And he's just like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, it was yeah. – <laughs> he's he's really easy to cheer for, man. He's, he, and he's fun to watch. I mean, he's yes, – he I, I think he's one of the most underrated – quarterbacks in all of college football like he's 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 an entertaining product like i he really is. enjoy watching him play and he's way better running than uh, he is a deceptively elusive and fast and like he's just good running the football and he doesn't give off that appearance and i when he took that shot 
and got up, was smiling, put his helmet on, and the dude that hit him was like chirping at him. He's like, "Nah, I ate that. There's no no big deal. No no nothing. That was awesome." But I don't understand. Like, I'm glad that that play was not called targeting. But I'm so confused on. I. They read through like the, like the checklist of what it has to be for that situation, and it's like it checks the box perfectly, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I am a firm believer that targeting should call itself. You should be able to see it and be like, "Yep, that's it." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that wasn't one of them. Now he got blasted, but yeah, I guess the only other. Other things about that game, uh, Ohio State got lucky, right? Uh, Utah helped him out. Kyle Whittingham, even after the game, he was like, you're welcome, Coach Tay, which was pretty good. But uh, Dalton Kincaid is an absolute stud at tight end for Utah. Uh, his tweet after the game, money can't buy that ring. Ooh. And then Utah's... Uh, Official Twitter account, Utah football's official Twitter account, little Photoshop action and put back to back on Caleb Williams's nails, which is a uh, pretty, pretty elite work from the social media team for the Utes. My wife was convinced that that was not their real account. Like they would not have done that. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's uh that's within the, I think that, think that's, You've seen some stuff like that on social media recently. Hey, I'll tell you this, though. Um, I know USC wanted to win that game. And I know the fans and the coaches, like, they may have, like, they may have saved USC, not Ohio State. Because right? I don't know where they would have been ranked, but I mean, I think that that was a clear – and Caleb Williams would be healthy again, most likely, and that's that's different. But if Utah was going to be able to whip them on the line of scrimmage and go after their defense like that, I can't imagine what Georgia or Michigan would have done, you know? Yeah, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been pretty, but I will maintain my position on this. Going to the playoff is better than not going. Always. I'll always believe that. So I'm sure if you asked those guys, they would have gladly. Oh, yeah. Got, gotten that game against Georgia and taken it on the chin. But, hey, it it is what it is. Still, still a very impressive year one under Lincoln Riley where I think they exceeded pretty much all expectations that anyone had for him. So a yep. lot to build on. But, yeah, I think – a lot of people in the state of Oklahoma were watching, were tuned into that game on Friday night, checking it Highest out. Highest ratings, like when they show the ratings and everything. Weird. 99% of the people in Oklahoma watch that game. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> okay. The Big 12 championship game. Kansas State wins it in overtime, 31-28. Everything we thought this game would be. Uh, just a fantastic back-and-forth football game that had a little bit of everything. I mean, it's, it's so much happened throughout regulation. Like, it would take a really, really long time to recap all of it. But, of course, TCU falls behind. 
they come charging back just like they have a lot throughout the season. And overtime was, I, I think that's what we got to break down, Ted. Like the overtime, first of all, did you think Kendra Miller scored the touchdown? When he, it looked like he was laying on top of everyone, reached the ball out, and the ball broke the plane. I, uh, I don't it's know. hard to it, overturn though. Yeah. Like you can't see his knee if it's down and all that. Like I get it. I get it from the official's perspective. I think it was probably, probably ended up being the right call. Um, I don't know. Uh, but you got to give credit to Kansas state uh, in that moment right there. But you know, before that I was shocked that Kansas state made this big special teams mistake. Right. Oh my gosh. Like that the was the surprising. The muff punt at that point in the game, like you know, I said that special teams was going to be the difference and it was going to be Kansas State, but proved not to be the case. Uh that was that was wild, but I don't know. I would say that I think the call ended up being probably right. I'm with you. I just I think it was pretty much impossible to overturn it. Right. But this is this is where my issue is with what Max Duggan did in that fourth quarter to put that team on his back and to will them into overtime. I know Kendra Miller has been a really good short yardage back pretty much the entire season, right? I, I get it. You have to put the ball in Max Duggan's hands on third and fourth down there. I mean, he just carried your team to overtime and you just have him handing it off. Right? And you have to put him in a position where he can throw and run. Like, let him go make a play. Man, like, I thought that that was coaching malpractice that Max Duggan did not get to decide that game with the ball in his hands. I, Kendra Miller is a stud. But come on, man, you got to give Doug in the ball in those moments. You absolutely, like, he earned it. He earned to have the football in those moments. Well, I agree. And I would even say this. I, even if you want to hand it off, at least hand it off where there's the threat of Doug and keeping it, right? Because what he had done to them down the stretch running the football, like, they're going to be keyed on him big time especially down there and that makes it really difficult on the edge whenever you want to sell out on something it makes it hard if there's the threat of that quarterback pulling it out and they put him under center where there's no threat of Duggan at all I agree and strange call like you're running right into the teeth and the strength of Kansas State there yeah it's like hey let's see if we can out tough Kansas State uh not typically a great strategy, you know, and I know, Hey, you want to be the more physical team. I get it. Hey, you got to get a yard. I, there were some people that thought Sonny Dykes should have kicked the field goal there. I think those people are insane. You've got two plays to get one yard and to put yourself in a great spot to win a big 12 championship. Yeah. You do it. You go for it. I absolutely agree with them going okay, for well, it. Let me ask you this. If you had to choose between that fourth down call or kicking a field goal, what would you have done? But those are my two options. Yeah. I still would have handed it off, man. <laughs> yeah. They they went with old two, they went with Patriots G lead, man. I mean, yep. that's a goal line play that 
has been run time and time for years and years and years, but I just don't understand why they just didn't spread it out a little bit and give Max Duggan the option to have the ball, man. I just, I, I do I not. And, and I don't want to take anything away from Kansas state. I thought Will Howard played really well. Again, Deuce Vaughn is an absolute stud. I mean, we've been knowing that, but that was a hell of a goal line stand from that Kansas State defensive front. Uh, I, I don't want to take credit away from them, but man, I could not believe that they didn't give Doug in the ball. I just that was that was stunning. I will say it's it's really the first time, and maybe I just haven't. I'm sure these these people are out there, but. It's it's the first time that I've seen a team get beat in the championship game and there not really be any pushback on them making the playoff, right? Right. And it was because of how great of a game it was and it was because of the gutsy effort of Max Duggan being just like laid out on the field in exhaustion. You know, everyone's like, okay, yeah, they're in. You know, that's that's worth it to get in. So yeah. I thought that was cool. Yeah. That that was an awesome game. Hopefully our man fine bomb tuned in. If he, if he didn't, he's the only one that was, that's about as good of a championship game as you could ever ask for. Yeah. We've had it two years in a row. Yeah. Same scenario, man. Big 12 championship game delivers baby. It's a, it you was, not that was an, first thing. You don't want first and goal from inside the five, uh, in the big 12 championship to win. No, I, <laughs> The last thing on that game, Ted, Big 12 champion quarterback, Will Howard. I don't know how long we're going to be apologizing to that young man, but it's going to be a while, man. <laughs> he was he was really good again. Yep. And I have uh, I've had to kind of eat my own words a little bit here or a lot of bit, but in a couple of different ways. Like I always get mad at people whenever they have a, whenever you've got a, a freshman or a young player and they're not playing up to like the position standard at the school, right? If you got a fresh, it's first year playing and he was a five-star recruit. It's like, they make a mistake. Oh, he sucks. Bench him. Let's get someone else out there. Sophomore, make a couple of mistakes. Nope, he's done. He's terrible. He's never going to be any good. I, it's a. This is a reminder. And I even have to remind myself that college football is different than the pros. Like you can get better in the pros. I'm not saying you can't, but there's there's pretty much like you kind of are what you are by the time you get to the NFL. But at this age, the development between freshman and senior and redshirt senior or like that's this is whenever you're having the most most growth strength wise, body wise, mentally learning the game, understanding the game. So it's a good reminder that guys can get better. Give them some time. Yep. All right. Let's talk about the SEC championship game. Uh, Georgia wins it 50 to 30. If you want to beat the best team in the country, uh, you probably can't have a field goal blocked and then let them pick it up and return it for a touchdown. You should probably know the rules there. 
And you certainly can't have interceptions bouncing off guys' helmets off your own players' helmets into uh, Georgia defenders' arms. Yeah, so the breaks that LSU needed to get in that game uh, went the other way, and this one was really never in doubt. Never in doubt. Jalen Daniels was was hobbled all over the place. You know, they had some opportunities that they couldn't capitalize on. And I would honestly say that I didn't even think Georgia played all that great at times. Right. I mean that we didn't see peak Georgia for whatever reason, but that Georgia was still way better than the LSU showed up. Um, but I will say this, it's a hell of a first year for Brian Kelly at LSU. And I know like, I I doubt there's anyone in that fan base right now that is upset with that season, kind of knowing what they were going in and, you know, that they turned them into a legitimate squad, good football team, and look out, Brian Kelly, give him some talent like that. Could get interesting there. Yeah, and, you know, Georgia controlled things for the most part at the line of scrimmage. Their body types on the offensive line and defensive line, I, I think that's what's separating them right now from the rest of college football. And they just got – they got huge dudes at the line of scrimmage that are – I mean, that are athletic as hell and gifted. Like that's where, that's where the, uh, the five stars come in to factor right. There's what, what they built up at the line of scrimmage, but Stetson Bennett's good, man. Four touchdowns. I mean, my favorite thing now watching them play his reactions after he makes a good throw are amazing. And like CBS had like a highlight reel of all the things he was doing after his touchdowns. I mean, it was hilarious, but He's got all the confidence in the world, and yeah, I feel like that football team. Uh, I don't see anyone beating them. Man, they're they're too talented, too good, too confident. But that's why they play the games, baby. He's a reigning national champion and undefeated this year. SEC champ, number one seed going into the playoff, and. Like, there's a lot of casual fans out there. It would take them a minute a minute to remember who the quarterback at Georgia is. It's crazy. Like, he is way better than he gets credit for. And I know they're great at a bunch of other positions, at all the other positions, but he is he is the most overlooked football player for two years, maybe more, in college football. Yeah, and some of those throws he had, yeah, he's throwing them to freaks. But those things are on he a was line. Ripping it. Yep. Yeah. He was he was letting it rip. And the only other thing from that game, speaking of letting it rip, man, Garrett Nussbar came in. It was slinging that thing. And he was trying to cover. <laughs> he was trying to cover that spread, man. He gave it his he gave it his all. Yeah, that was that was fun, man. That's uh it's another that's a we got another good Georgia football team on our hands. We'll see, we'll see if anyone can knock them off. Yeah. Okay. Big 10 championship game. Uh, Michigan beats Purdue 43 to 22. And this, I mean, it was a really fun and competitive game in in the first half, but ultimately uh, in that second half, Michigan's depth and physicality took over the football game, leaned on that rushing attack. Another big game for Donovan Edwards stepping in there as the main guy for Blake Corum. And yeah, they're just extremely productive with the running game and J.J. McCarthy, man, he continues to look sharp 
at quarterback for the Wolverines. So it it really went about the way that I thought it would. I thought Purdue would be able to move the ball a little bit, you know, score score a few points, but comfortable win for Michigan. I I, I don't think this one was ever in doubt either, even though it was tied at halftime. It it felt like it was only a matter of time before Michigan took over. And that's exactly what happened, but ends up in the first 13 win season in the history of Michigan football. Not too crazy. Bad. Nope. It's uh really impressive. And Jim Harbaugh's record, uh, what was it? 19 and one over the last two years in the, in the big 10 conference record is incredible. Um, they've done some good things there, man. He's, you got to give him credit. Unconventional weirdo. Um, sometimes makes it really hard to, uh, to root for Michigan just because uh, of, of how strange he is. But um, he's, he's done a good job there. They got a, they got a difference maker at quarterback, which, cha- which changes things for him. I'll tell you though, Purdue's a fun team to watch. I like that group. Um, that quarterback receiver combo was awesome. That's the first team, time I've got to see Purdue play this year. And um, that's a fun group. That's a, I'm now I'm not saying that it's a, a, a good reflection on the Big Ten West that they were in the, the championship game, but it's a fun team. Yeah. Aiden O'Connell, especially the circumstances, right? Losing his oldest brother. Uh that Crazy. that couldn't have been easy for him, but I I, I was impressed. That guy can sling it, right? He's fun yep. to watch. But there were there were two things I wrote down about this game. Uh, number one, the the ref cam of Jim Harbaugh was by far the highlight of the game. Like that was one of the one one of the funnier things <laughs> I've seen in a long, long time. And that's gonna be. I mean, people were all over it uh, on Twitter already, uh, banking it a meme. It was it was awesome. But sign me up for more ref cams. Uh, whenever they're having conversations with coaches, that's yes, awesome. I want to. I want a ref cam with Venables laying into one of the refs. Like I would. I would love to see that. Um, but the other thing is, Purdue has tremendous colors: black, white, gold. They got to bring better jerseys to the table than what they threw out there for the Big Ten championship game. You've got the color scheme is too good. For you not to be looking badass for a Big Ten championship game, you got to be better, Purdue. Come on, and you got all those engineers there. Come on, man, design yeah. something sweet. Yeah, it was like, yeah. eh. You're like, oh, that's yeah. I guess that's Purdue. Eh. I'm just trying to. I don't even know what I would do with it. I don't know. Go crazy. Let's go all gold or something. Like let's. Yeah. I mean, do something, Purdue. You're. Right now, you're just kind of that school there. You got a bunch of nerds. That's cool. I yeah, just, it was. Not that you mentioned it. It was pretty bland. Yeah, jazz the, it up a little bit. You got great colors. Of all the, the championship games, Purdue definitely has the crappiest uniform. Maybe them and Clemson. Yeah. Clemson's were eh. But come on, Purdue. You can do better. Okay, speaking of Clemson, last game, ACC championship game. Woo. 39-10. Tigers. Uh, Clemson wins another ACC title. And I remember when 11-2 and uh, with the conference championship and not going to the college football playoff. I remember those days. Those were good. Those were good, disappointing <laughs> season days. Right. But uh, 
another title for Dabo. And probably the biggest thing from this game is their fans seem really pissed off. <laughs> Just yeah. went 11 and 2. What an ACC championship. But it feels like they're always going to wonder what this season could have been if Dabo just would have made the switch to Cade Klubnik early in the season. And because it and it was clear in this game, like North Carolina, anyone that hasn't been able to watch them throughout the season, their defense stinks. Not not a good group. And when Clemson couldn't get going early offensively against that defense, Dabo's like, I've seen enough. Put Klubnik in. Yeah. And to his credit, man, he he did the damn thing. Came out there he was using his legs, throwing it all over the yard, uh, sprinkling in some of the run game. But yeah, I think their fans, and I, I got to imagine some of the players on that team are going, what could this season have been if we just would have recognized that DJ Uyunglele was not the guy and gone with Klubnik? But never know. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh that's tough because he's such a good kid and yeah, but Klubnik looked great, man. He came in there and, and turned things around. I thought right out of the gate, um, Drake May was like, he was like, okay, let's see what he's got. Is he going to do something special? And he just doesn't have enough around him. Um, you know, he's you can only play at that like chaotic pace for so long, especially against a good team before they just, they turn those, those just chaotic moments into big problems for you. But he's a stud, man. You think he's going to stay there? Spit some Georgia rumors out there. Uh, uh, Georgia doesn't need to get any better. Come on, man. That'd just be ridiculous. But Hey, that's college football now, right? If you're Mac Brown, you and your whatever NIL collective, you got to do what you got to do to keep Drake May, right? And he was far from his best in this game, right? The pick six was bad. I mean, it was bad. And, you know, had the fumble, had another interception, you know, can't turn the ball over and beat uh, beat a good team. But, yeah, there's no doubt. I, I got a feeling that North Carolina is going to do whatever they've got to do to hold on to Drake May. But he's the perfect example, man. Why wouldn't a guy like that hop into the portal and just essentially turn it into free agency? Like, why not? Why wouldn't he do it? Because he, this is the reality of it. He could get, I don't know, what, three million? Four million? Five million? I I don't even know. Like, he could get a ton of money in the transfer if he just said, hey, all right, I want to go. Yeah, I want to have a chance to play with a good team, but. Who who wants to pay me? Like he would get more would, than anyone else ever has. Yeah, he yeah, that's a great point. You'd probably get the most we've ever seen anyone get for one year of college football. Which I wouldn't have a problem with, but could you imagine the articles? Could you imagine the think pieces on it? Oh my god. Well, the only thing I can say to that is how much money do you think we can get together <laughs> next week? <laughs> Listen, man. <laughs> I, all the all the OUNIL things are coming together. So we gotta we gotta that's what we gotta do. We gotta do what we gotta do, man. That's right. Yeah. yeah no, he's, he, he's a stud. Uh, he's gonna turn into a, a dude. Yeah, we'll we'll see if North Carolina can keep him. It's kind of it kind of sucks that that's like the conversation, like that that's where college football is at now, but that's just we'll get used to it, I suppose. 
It's like, you got to do what you got to do to hold on to your guys. I mean, that's yep. just where it's at. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first... It's football time in Oklahoma, people, and there's nothing better to drink at the tailgate than Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that's already winning national awards because their product is delicious, tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for tailgating either. They're perfect to drink on the golf course, by the pool, after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. Clubby's first variety pack is out. They got some new flavors in there. They got a new can. Find a place near you that has clubbies, visit clubbyseltzers.com. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? It's Ohio State. It's rare that a team uh, gets their ass handed to them on the final game of the season sits at home during championship game weekend and still finds a way into the national championship conversation, the college football playoff. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that they shouldn't be in, but they're lucky that they're in. And I hope they get absolutely destroyed by Georgia. And I thought it was, I thought it was weird that the the TV show um, was asking the hard questions of the committee about is the only reason you didn't have Ohio State number three is because you wanted to avoid the the Michigan rematch. It's like number three, sitting at home on your ass watching. Uh, championship weekend and be the three seed. And I understand, I think Ohio state's a good football team, but I they're lucky to be in. Yeah. I mean, they, they didn't, not only did they not win their conference, they didn't win their division. And the one really good team they played beat their ass on their own field. <laughs> like, yeah. so I, I get, I get why they're in because this is this is the real conversation. It's like with what we just saw from USC, it's like who else? I mean, Ohio State was really the only choice, and we know how talented their, their roster is. The interesting part about it, and I Ryan Day, what do he say? It's like having a second lease on life. Yeah. He he probably feels that way because he's like, okay. Everyone hates me right now. There's a bunch of people that want me fired, even though 
Michigan's the only team I've really lost to. Now I can go win a national championship, even though we just got destroyed by Michigan. Like he has to feel like the luckiest guy in the world. But there's also <laughs> there's also the possibility they get, like you mentioned, destroyed. And Ohio State fans are like, really, this is what we are. Like, this could end up, I'm not going to say Ryan Day's going to get fired or anything like that, but if they get beat by like three or four touchdowns by Georgia, there are going to be a lot of Ohio State fans asking a lot of questions, man. Do you think Ohio State is better than TCU? I, I, I don't, they have not shown me that they are. I don't think they are. Yeah, like I... And- like that was like a throwaway fact by Reese Davis on the show. It's like, well, we all know that Ohio State would be, you know, a favorite over TCU. So it was the only reason they weren't the three because of the rematch. They didn't want the rematch against Michigan. And I'm sitting there like, I don't know. Now, hang on a damn second here. I'm not so sure about that last statement. I. Ohio State's got some good players. They got some legit dudes. There's there's no doubt that they do, but I I just I don't I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I am we are on the same page. Now I will say a lot of people thought Georgia Ohio State was going to be the national championship game. We get in the semifinal now. There you go. Like that's going to be I I expect Georgia to win that game and we'll we'll break that all down here in a couple of weeks. Uh as those games near, but yeah, there's going to be a lot of talent on the field. I know I'll be watching. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I I think, uh, I think the, I think the semifinals are good. I think the Michigan TCU game is going to be really good. I do too. I, I just, I really think people are sleeping on TCU, man. They are. I, you know, I'll have to go back and I'll do some more research on, on Michigan, but, they have not faced a quarterback run game like they're going to see from TCU. Like spread you out and do like some of the things they can do and then Max Duggan being able to run it and, you know, the wide receivers that they're going to be throwing at them. I, I'm, I think it's going to be a great game. I do. Did, did you happen to see the Chris Sims tweet? No. Chris Sims, you, you, you're well acquainted. Mm-hmm. TCU in the CFP? The Big 12 sucks, and I played in the Big 12. I know what the resumes are, but the middle class of the SEC would win the Big 12. Who's the middle class of the SEC? What? um, Mississippi State? Yeah, they wouldn't win the Big 12. No, they wouldn't. No. It's very interesting for me. That Chris Sims, who is a Texas guy, who I assumed watched the Alabama-Texas game, watched his alma mater, who is a middle-of-the-class Big 12 team, almost beat what ended up to be the number five team in the country and should have beat them, would say that about the Big 12. It's truly remarkable how big of an idiot that guy is. That's he's impressive. also he's also going to watch Kansas State beat Alabama's ass in the Sugar Bowl. I won't be surprised. <laughs> I won't either. I won't either. Because been been through that experience myself. <laughs> yeah. 
oh, and you know, we'll we'll have the old the familiar excuses out there, but um, yeah, I don't know. I I disagree with that, but you know, that is that is something good that TCU could take into the playoff. You know, well, it at least Chris Sims can sleep well at night knowing that he will be on Roy Williams highlight film when he's inducted into the college football playoff, right? Or a college college football playoff, college football hall of fame. Yep. That's right. Sure. That, uh, sure. That clip will be played. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? I had to go with the U S men's, uh, world cup team. Uh, they got it handed to them. It was, um, Go go down by a goal pretty early, and we just can't finish. Can't can't put it in the net, and it only got worse from there. It was frustrating. Maybe it was um, maybe it wasn't a team that a lot of people expected big things from, but it was over pretty quickly for them this year. I so I am not a soccer expert. I do not pretend to be, but Netherlands was much better at putting the ball in the net, mm-hmm. which from what I understand about the game is kind of the whole objective. Yep. And this is where I'm at with it. And I get it that it's a really young United States team. Listen, I know that because they mentioned it on every broadcast they played like 500 times. So I get it. Very young team. Get it. But this is the United States of America. Like going, getting to the knockout round should not be. It, are we supposed to celebrate that? I'm confused. Since when did we do that shit? I don't like, know. Like, oh, awesome. We made it to the round of 16. Like, well, I'm supposed to be super excited about that. We don't have a guy that wants to shoot the damn ball. Go get a guy that wants to shoot it, wants to get the ball. And instead of being right near the goal and passing it, like let's get a guy that wants to fire that thing. Fire it. Let's Once go. Again, not a soccer expert. Not a soccer expert either, but um, I am – I just turned 41 years old, okay? And about 31 years ago is when I was told that it's coming. U.S., Soccer, it's coming. It's happening. We're going to be there. We're going to be the best in the world at some point. It's the fastest growing sport in the U.S. Well, we've got crap to show for it right now on the national stage. The And once again, not a soccer expert. <laughs> I feel like I have to, uh, have to <laughs> clarify my comments with that. It was like... I don't know the football quick. It's like, how many coverages can you blow? I mean, they had wide open dudes kicking the ball into the net. How does that happen? <laughs> I mean, like if, if a guy makes an awesome individual play and like sometimes like that happens, but for you to relax, to jog back to where a guy gets a wide open shot into the net for the first goal. Like the other two guys standing around go, I thought you had it. Like, what are we doing? At least make them earn it, man. These guys are wide open, kicking it in the back of the net. I know. 
I even unmarked. thought I heard unmarked, Ted. Yeah, unmarked. I thought I heard on the uh, the broadcast. You know, they were talking about how tired they were, and you know, and how they had played the game on on Tuesday. And I was like, Tuesday. They played on Tuesday, and this is Saturday, and we're going to talk about that they're tired? How is that possible? I've watched my niece play like three games, four games in a weekend, easy. I mean, come on. <laughs> how, how much time off do you need in between games? I mean, I'm sure Netherlands had about the same time off. Everyone, I mean, everyone's playing in a tournament. There may be a little bit of difference, but... That's like looking for any excuse you can for the guys. I I'm with you. It was they they missed too many opportunities, man. Like They're the Pulisic tired from chasing after those mishandled passes that they uh they keep having. Yeah, let let's tighten it up, boys. Mm -hmm. Four years from now, we'll be back in, baby. It'll be the year, baby. We'll Four be years back from in. Now. All these guys will be in their prime. All these youngins will be in their prime. But no, will, I will say. Let me ask you something. Will the U.S. win a World Cup in our lifetime? Man, I hope so, because that would be fun. But I just, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a Big 12 team going and winning a national title. I'll believe it when I see it, you know? Okay. All right, that's true. Just kind of where I'm at with it. Well, we're happy that TCU made the uh, knockout round. Okay. Absolutely. We will. They will be <laughs> celebrated. For making the knockout stage. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was the, the World Cup was a lot of fun. I, I think it did get a lot of people excited uh, about soccer in the country. I know I was watching every game and now I'm acting like I know what I talk about of what I'm talking about. But it I hope that this ends up being like the foundation for what all these people are saying it's gonna be here in the future. Like how this this group of guys is super talented, most talented roster, you know, group of y young guys that we've ever seen in American soccer. I hope that ends up turning into something like that's my we'll hope. Cause I, I want to watch them be good. Like if I'm going to watch the world cup, I want to watch America win. Like that's, that's just where I'm at with it. I agree. Yep. All right. Let's finish up with my winner and loser. But first, First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you are doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You've got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. 
Remember in 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best in glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be, may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with Luke Fickle because him keeping Jim Leonard on board as his defensive coordinator there at Wisconsin, that felt big, Ted. That that seemed yep. like a like a big-time retention for Luke Fickle. Yep, keep it in the family. Um Keep Leonard there. You know, they've played really good defense, um, you know, and, and bringing Luke Fickle's mind in there and, and adding to that. Now, I don't know what that means for the rest of the staff and how that's that's going to unfold, but, no, I agree. I think that's a I think that's a good decision. Yeah, but my winner of the weekend, Colorado football, Deion Sanders is the new head coach for the Colorado Buffaloes and – Listen, I have no idea how this is going to go, but I I know this. Things can't get any worse than they already are at Colorado. Two winning seasons since 2005, and I think one of those was the COVID year. They were like four and two or something like that. So it's been awful for Colorado for a long, long time, and this is – not only is it an extremely interesting fit, but people are talking about Colorado football. Like that will continue to talk about Colorado football. And, and like, it's just start, like it is like, there is a buzz and energy around Colorado football. And I mean, how many times have you and I talked about Colorado football in here? Well, we've been doing this thing for a couple of years now. Zero. I don't think we've talked about Colorado football once. So I I just think this is an awesome hire, whether it works or it doesn't. I'll say, I'll say this. I'm not going to doubt coach prime. I I mean, he did a work. great job at Jackson state. Did a great job. I think he's probably bringing a really good quarterback with him. Um, already got a commitment from uh, a top recruit. Uh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen quick. Yeah. So, Jackson State they kills just, it in the transfer portal. Yeah, they just finished twelve and zero, uh, won their conference championship game. I I'm not entirely sure even what the future looks like for Colorado. Right, I, I still am not entirely sure what is going to happen with the Pac-12. Maybe Colorado ends up back in the Big Twelve somehow, but they can't with USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 here in 2024 for the Big Ten, like. Maybe Colorado can climb the ladder in the conference. And what what is preventing Deion Sanders from doing something similar to what we just saw Lincoln Riley do at USC? Now, is Colorado as cool as USC? No, right? But I'll tell you this. You get kids to Boulder, I think that's half the battle, just getting them there. Anyone that's been to that town and been to Denver, because it's not far from Denver either, like, those are two. That's an awesome college town. And Denver is an incredible city. Like all he has to do is get guys on campus. And I think he's going to land some players. It's a really cool area, but it, it does get cold. You're going to have to provide some great jackets for the guys, but dude, I, 
I, I don't know what's going to happen, man, but like, this is the most interesting storyline in college football for the next couple of years. Like I, I can't wait to see what happens with this. I agree. I think that, you know, some of the big things are recruiting, like you said, getting people in and what kind of staff can he put together? Um, I don't know who always going to bring from Jackson state. Maybe he brings everyone. I don't know, but I think it's like, if you ask me right now, I think it's going to work. Now, what does work mean? Does it mean that I think Colorado is going to start ripping off national championships? No, but I think Colorado is going to become, they're going to start ripping off winning seasons again. It wouldn't shock me if you had a winning season in year one. Um, and maybe a couple years in vying for um, a conference championship, whatever conference that might be at that time. But I think it's going to work. And the key is going to be the players. He's going to recruit good players. Yeah. And some interesting things coming out, like Colorado's willing to change some things for Deion Sanders. And I assure you, he did not take that job without getting some of those assurances in writing. Right. I mean, and I mean, there's a lot of reporting out there that the school's going to make it easier for transfers to get into the university. And, and I assume that there was a lengthy NIL discussion. Like what is that system going to look like for Colorado? So it, it sounds like the university as a whole was willing to play ball to get Dion there, I'm sure they're going to be paying him a substantial salary as well. But, man, it may all end up being worth it for Colorado because they have sucked for a long time. And this has this has people excited, man. It's got people excited, really excited. Yep, I, I think there's going to be some instant impact with transfer portals and recruiting um, and – I think that that, as that momentum gains and the attention continues to swirl, and there's going to be stories written, there's going to be people go up there and and you know see what he's doing with the program, a little more access, a little more interest. People were interested at Jackson State, but you know obviously this is a, a step up to the Power Five level, and I think people are going to be they're interested. And I I was skeptical whenever he first said he wanted to step into coaching. I don't know that anyone's skeptical anymore. Have you heard anyone say that they don't think it will work? I haven't. No. Yeah. I think like the the first go around when he took the Jackson State job, like a lot of people brought up the what was it called? Like Prime University and like how poorly that thing, whatever he was trying to do there, went um from a business perspective especially. But yeah, I think I mean he's I think he's impressed a lot of people these last couple of years with what Jackson State's been able to do. Yep, I agree. And I don't think many people are doubting that he's going to make Colorado better. Now, that's not saying much because they've been terrible. But, yeah, it just it adds, it adds a fun wrinkle to the Pac-12 for sure. And, and you mentioned it earlier, but Sunday it already started. Man, Colorado gets a commitment from a top 20 player in the class of 2025, uh, wide receiver Winston Watkins from IMG Academy. Uh, he's committed to Coach Prime. So wow. already seeing it. Top 20 player going to Colorado, as we all anticipated.
Yeah, well, um, that's good stuff. And I I think his his son is probably going to go with him. And I don't know a whole lot about him. I've seen some of the highlights because Jackson State's the only the only non uh, Division One. Uh, FBS that you really get to see highlights on a routine basis, and he's pretty daggum good. Yeah, I I assume. Remember they had Travis Hunter, who is the number one player in the country. Yeah, you would assume he's going to come to Colorado, but I imagine if that guy goes in the portal, uh, everyone is going to be making their uh, their offers <laughs> to him for his services. So we'll see. We'll see if and maybe he stays at Jackson State. Who knows? Never know. Yep. All right, for my loser of the weekend, thought about going with Lamar Jackson, man. Ugh. Yeah. The the bet on yourself season, uh, no contract in place yet with the Ravens, uh, leaves the game against the Broncos with a knee injury. That is – now, it didn't look too serious, but anytime you hear knee injury and he doesn't come back in the game, this is a guy that is playing for his big-time contract to just – not what you want to hear, Ted. Not what you want to hear. No, he's still going to sign a massive deal, but I agree. Um, I Baltimore holding off and not offering the huge money deal. I I don't know if that's if it's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing because obviously this is going to be held over his head, but there's still going to be plenty of teams out there ready to to sign him to a huge deal. Yeah, and if you thought Broncos fans and those defensive players for the Broncos were mad at Russell Wilson before this, uh, Baltimore ended up holding on 10-9 to to win over the Broncos. Oh, my God. (laughs) Gave up 10 points and lost. That's great. That's got to be so painful for Broncos fans and for those defensive players. I imagine a few more defensive players are going to yell at Russell Wilson's face, Ted. Oh, I can imagine. I can Boy. imagine, man. I, I'm kind of worried about the future for old Russell Wilson. Yeah. Be interesting to see how that all uh, works out. Yeah. That could go down as one of the worst trades in the history of the NFL. They gave up a ton for him, and they are three and nine. And the worst offense that the NFL has seen in like decades. And I don't know what are they they're probably throwing somewhere near 40 million at him too. Yeah. Awesome. Whew. Congrats, Broncos. <laughs> uh, I also thought about going with Coastal Carolina. It was only a matter of time, but Jamie Chadwell, he ends up taking the Liberty job on Sunday, a uh, seven year deal at an average of more than $4 million per year. And to make it worse, Coastal Carolina got house in the Sunbelt Championship game. I mean, that that was not even close. Troy put it on them. So not exactly. And it was these last couple of weeks for Coastal Carolina. It was clear that something was going on. They were, uh, they were not playing good football. But, yeah, Jamie Chadwell to Liberty taking, uh, you know, Hugh Freeze leaves, takes Auburn. Liberty opens up. They spend a ton of money on facilities. They're paying coaches really well. And Jamie Chadwell is like, yep, I'll do that. Go Flames. I'm kind of shocked that that's where he's going. Um, I I know that's going to be a massive pay raise for him. 
but I I thought for sure he would, you know, hold off for until he got a power five offer somewhere, right? I mean, that's that seems strange to me, but no, guess he's happy with it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it works out for him. But my loser of the weekend, and I know I just I can't imagine he wanted to do it, but Nick Saban, what was that? I mean, every time I looked up on my TV, Nick Saban was in that red jacket trying to trying to say why Bama should be in the playoff. What the hell was that? I don't know. I well, you do what you can to try and uh, uh, to try and get your your hat in the ring. Um, it was. I don't think, man. It didn't feel like. There's some there's some Alabama fatigue with the college football playoff, right? And I just don't think that people would have been able to stomach them making it in, really, no matter what the the ultimate result was. So I know what he was doing, but it just it wasn't going to happen this year. Sorry. Yeah, despite his best efforts on Fox yeah. and ESPN, he uh, and it was interesting. He had like two main arguments. The first one was. Well, Bryce Young was hurt. Now he's healthy. We're different, which, okay. But the second one, I just can't get on board with, man, because, and I get what he's saying, and he's right. Alabama would be favored over Ohio State, and Alabama would be favored over TCU. But they were also a nine-point favorite over Tennessee, and they were a 13-and-a-half-point favorite over LSU. And what, what, what happened in those games? That's right. So the we would be favored in Vegas argument doesn't work for me when you lost two games you were a big favorite in. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, miss me with that. You're the best coach ever, Nick Saban. I respect the absolute hell out of you, but he couldn't have enjoyed that. Like, that had to cause him physical pain to do that stuff, right? It looked like it was causing him physical pain. Yeah. And like I said before, I think I think Kansas State has a heck of a shot to beat them. Yeah, I just I don't know why he did that. He knew they weren't going to get. I maybe it's this man, and you know, go back to before the season. All we were talking about is like, hey, does anybody have enough to beat Bama with all the talent they had with with Anderson back and with Bryce Young back and all the pieces, right? I wonder if he just looks at it and he's like, man, we really underachieved. And I know it it's it, underachieving when it comes to Bama expectations and their standards. But I wonder if he looks at it and goes, Man, we like we messed this up. And maybe that's sure. why he was pushing so hard because he he may think like, Yeah, we have we have what it takes to win a title. And if anyone knows, he knows. So maybe he's just he's looking at it going, Man, I messed up, the staff messed up. We we failed these kids, or, and I don't know. And maybe it's just trying to make it right. But that was yeah. so weird seeing him do that. It was weird. It was weird. Um, you know, and I will say that like, I don't – it seemed like Bama never really played to what we thought they would this year, really at any moment. But, yeah, they ran into – they ran into a hornet's nest in Tennessee. Like that thing was just kind of destined to happen at that point. And they even got screwed down the stretch with some calls. Um, but 
uh, you lose on the road against a really good Tennessee team and on the road against a really good LSU team. I I get the point, but it's just not this year. Sorry. Next year. We'll see you next year. I'm with you. And it is what it is. It'll be all right. It'll be all right, Nick. They'll be good again. Next season. <laughs> they'll be good again next year. Yeah, we're yeah, not worried they'll about be, it. They'll be very, very good again. We're not we're not worried about Alabama at all. I I do think that I I wonder if his players liked him doing that. Like that's I imagine those guys were watching those games and be like, what is he? Okay, yeah, sure. Like <laughs> Though they're probably like, Yeah, yeah, that's right. We'd be a favorite against him. Come on, man. We beat these whoever these guys are. Yes. Uh, I would pay money to hear how short the conversation was when they asked Josh Heupel to do something similar. Yeah. I, Cause you got to assume like, Hey, Heupel, you want to come on and maybe make your case? Like the doors opened up with USC. I have to imagine that was the fastest no in the history of no's. Are you sure that Saban didn't, he wasn't the one calling in the favors <sighs> to get on and lobby. Well, I mean, if Nick Saban called and say, hey, can I come on? Everyone's going to say that, yes. They, I guess, th- is this something they do every year? A little bit, uh, yeah. I think so, yeah. But it was it was the first time it was a two-loss team that had not played in their conference all year. Like, what, what's going on here? Like, there's no chance. No. Nope. We say that. They ended up at number five. <laughs> right. It was probably yeah. way – and in that room, there was probably a long – that was probably the longest conversation. Yeah. Episode 272 in the books. Have a new podcast that'll drop Wednesday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius Sex and Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have an awesome week. Hopefully, Teddy survives it in Vegas. <laughs> and until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Another night.